0: an administrator with the Men's Collegiate Lacrosse Association, so I'm heavily involved with that group. I run their national championships. started the EMW Foundation in 2004, and we do tournaments for a cause, like American Cancer Society. We're going to do one that's going to be helping out the Uganda Lacrosse Foundation. Local teams, we have local teams volunteer at the events, things like that. So I'm basically up to my eyeballs in lacrosse.
1: So, Matt, would you qualify as a diagnosed lacrosse junkie?
0: Fred, I like to think of it as a healthy diversion. (laughs) 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 That for six to eight months of the year keeps me from doing normal things like going out to dinner and maybe having a date on a Friday night, packing a bag that has vacation clothes instead of black and white referee stripes like I'm doing right now. Oh, so you're a zebra, too. I didn't know that. If it's been done on lacrosse, I think I'd come
1: close to doing it. Welcome to the Fred Opie Show, where we learn how to make a difference on and off the field. I'm your host, Fred Opie, a former Syracuse University and U.S. National Team athlete, now historian. I use the oral histories of my guests to help you figure out what your gifts are, find the right school to develop them, and give you a plan to give, save, and spend your money and time wisely. Today on the Fred Opie Show, an interview with Matt Homan, a native of Summit, New Jersey. Matt and I were teammates at Syracuse University and roommates for a short time. Since his collegiate days, Matt has been involved in lacrosse at all levels and manifestations. Recently, Matt and I reconnected as we joined forces to support the spread of lacrosse on the continent of Africa. And that's what he's going to talk about on today's show. But before we get to that, I asked Matt to talk about his experience as a highly recruited athlete at Syracuse University. Matt stumbled, uh, like some athletes do in their experience, and he's going to talk about uh, what he learned when he went to Syracuse. And as he describes, this wasn't ready for the big stage yet. So he's going to unpack um, what I think is really important and something that people often don't talk about. That is the failures that we have and then the lessons that you learn from those failures. By the way, we do have an interview coming up with Chris Bates, the former head of lacrosse coach at Princeton University. You can find that interview on my Facebook page. Facebook page you can find as well at fredop.com. There's a link to all my social media. We talked to Chris about the experience of having to to transition out of the job uh, at Princeton after making some mistakes. And what he learned, John C. Maxwell's book, Failing Forward, talks about that whole concept. Well, Matt's going to do the same thing, talk about that and the lessons learned. And then Matt's also going to talk about his involvement in club lacrosse at the collegiate level, which is something that people don't necessarily think about as an option. There is a place for everybody to play lacrosse in college if you so desire to do so. And Matt's going to talk about that and give you some strategies if you're at a college and or university and there is no club team and there's no varsity team and you want to start one. Matt's going to talk about that. And then in the last segment of the interview, he's going to talk about the spread of lacrosse on the continent of Africa, and his work and my work in lacrosse in Uganda, as well as what's been happening in places like Kenya, and aspirations for lacrosse become a Olympic sport. For that to happen, it has to spread to every continent in the world. So that's today on the Fred Opie Show, Matt Holman. Can you tell people from your experience who are either in college playing lacrosse right now or have their kids about to go off to play college lacrosse. Your experience, you've learned a valuable lesson from going to Syracuse. You were another highly recruited kid, and you went there and it didn't turn out. You failed out. Tell people the lessons that you learned from that. Tell people maybe the symptoms so that if they are a coach, a player, or a parent, they can go, this person needs help.
0: At that time, now this is, as you know, for the mid 80s, I think kids have a real advantage right now, boys and girl players. Um, With computers Mm -hmm. comes a lot of accountability and the instant access to student athletes' progress. A lot of that's out of their hands. You know, when we were there, we were told to report such and such or, you know, had to do things kind of on your own, which was good because you learned. But for me, I didn't seek that out. I didn't seek out any help or any tutors or or anything like that. I kept thinking, you know, 18, 19 years old, I can do it on my own like every 17, 18, 19 year old. (laughs) I'll say that, you know, college, as as I've told people, the high school kids I've coached, I go, look, I tell them my story. I go, I went to school. I went to the Pinnacle of Lacrosse at that time. You know, they just came off winning their first national championship. I get there next fall. We're adorned with all this gear and everything was honky dory, but... You know, it was up to you to get your education. And it just took me time. I wasn't ready for college. I didn't know it until 10 years after that time when I was living in California and put myself through college and realized, oh, you know, I can do this pretty easily. It came to me well once I learned what kind of student I was. But I didn't have any idea of what type of student I was at the time. So I guess the lesson learned there is pick a school that if you unfortunately broke your leg in in the... Position said you can't play sports anymore Mm. if you want to walk properly or you know something like that. Mm -hmm. Do you still want to be on campus there? And and I heard you talk about recruiting uh, a couple of uh, podcasts ago. There's a lot of sideline talk I call it at tournaments in the summer. Mm -hmm. And I even hear it when I'm refereeing and you'll hear people oh you know he's getting looked at or she's getting a scholarship for this or that. Mm -hmm. And people don't understand a $500 scholarship for books from a school is technically a scholarship. So that's what the parent's are bragging about. I got a scholarship to, you know, such and such school.
1: That costs $25,000, $35,000 right. a year. They <laughs> yeah. gave you 500 bucks. Because You're any, committed.
0: Any dollars, yeah, you know, any dollars that oh, you man. can receive from the school is considered a scholarship. If yeah. it's for non-academic. And yeah. you can get academic scholarships at D3 schools, which I think are highly more regarded because it's for your academic performance. So, mm. you
1: know, What you just said is profoundly important. You know, I liken it to this the scholarship for the kid has become the bling it's the beamer it's the mercedes it's the bragging rights that parents sure. and i'm one of them it's like my, you know it's not look at my my diamond look at my you know my maserati it's my kid's got a scholarship to x school that's in the top 10 and as you just said it's an illusion because what is that scholarship actually worth number 1 but number 2 i think the point you made is so profound If your son or daughter can't play anymore, would they stay there? And you as a parent, we're the ones that got the fully developed frontal cortex. You can't just set (laughs) your kid loose to choose a school. You better do some pushing and prouding like a doctor does when you come in the audience and come to the doctor's office and find out, is this legit that the kid really wants to go there or is this, look- me and you were both. I'm guilty, folks. I'm gonna say it first. I went to Syracuse to play lacrosse. While I was there, I got a degree, thank God. But it was a stupid reason to choose a school.
0: Right. You chose it because of lacrosse and what you were doing at the time, and that's your whole world, really. And you think it's the whole world.
1: <laughs> and and then what happens to that world when you are the man or the girl in high school? You you know you king of the camp, and then you get to the next level. And now you have to watch games. You know, I tell people, I know I went through what would have probably been a diagnosed depression when I wasn't getting playing time. You know, so I think all those things are important. And I I, I'm very thankful that you were authentic and letting people know, because these are real issues that people don't want to talk about. Do you want to go to school without student loans? Need an after graduation five year plan? Are you interested in increasing your income and creative outlets? Do you have a plan to give, save, and spend more? My new book, Start With Your Gift. Understand and monetize it while serving others with it. It's the best book I know out there for accomplishing these goals. If you got a kid who was like me, a big time lacrosse junkie, have him read the book. It's a lacrosse memoir slash career advice. It will save you a lot of headaches in the future and your child male or female if you know a kid who's into hockey basketball whatever the sport is it's a good book for a kid like that it's appropriate for somebody who is 14 to 44 if you have kids or grandkids and you want to make a difference in their life purchase them a copy of start with your gift it's available in kindle and paperback and you can get it on amazon.com you're involved in club lacrosse at the college level, and I don't think people understand that that is an option. There is a place for you to enjoy your college experience with lacrosse as part of the experience if you play club. Briefly tell people about the opportunities to play lacrosse at the club level and just yeah. how organized it really is.
0: The Men's Collegiate Lacrosse Association, and that's what we're talking about. It's called mm-hmm. the MCLA, mm-hmm. Men's Collegiate Lacrosse Association. Uh, mcla.us. Look it up, folks. It is the largest organization, NCAA Division One, two, and three schools playing organized lacrosse in the country. We're larger than Division One. We're we're 190. I think it's 193 universities. Stanford University, Cal, Michigan State, Florida State, Boston College, Grand Canyon, Chapman University, Arizona State, BYU, Colorado, Saint Thomas University, Saint John's University hmm. in the middle of the country there. There's just all sizes and shapes, large campuses with huge NCAA football and basketball athletics, smaller campuses with great access to, to international learning opportunities, just a variety of educational opportunities that you're going to graduate with a, from, a, from a school that has a strong alumni, you mm-hmm. know, great job potential. That's always something to consider. Yeah. Uh, and all the time you've played highly organized lacrosse, just not, the NCAA Division I model, Mm. which people have to understand. That is a commitment. And when they say commitment, they really mean job. And it falls just in line with with all the talks in YouTube, and we've all heard it the last 10 years, even more, about how to compensate student-athletes because they don't have time to get a job. Mm. Well, that's that's a perfect example. An NCAA athlete, we've had proctored final exams during the National Championship week. The player, the student-athlete can say, okay, yeah, I'm still going to class, and that's my priority, but, geez, lacrosse is a close second. So this year, in 2018, 2019, we're committed to the regional athletics complex in Salt Lake City, Utah. That's where the Women's Collegiate Lacrosse Association had their championship last year. This is the world Championships. This is the greatest thing ever, and that's the, it's the Super Bowl for them, and mm. that's the way we treat them. We
1: just had a team here at Babson College where where I uh, teach. We create a team, and I served as their faculty advisor for it. And one of the things I did is I asked uh, the student, uh, Nicholas Sparks, who did a great job organizing it here on on campus, I required him to come up with a code of conduct for the team. And I required also that they have captains from each of the class, first-year students sophomores juniors seniors so that there's full participation if something goes awry that it's that group that will get together ask me to come and you all you police yourself but i think that was real important if you're on a college campus or about to go off to a college that doesn't have a club team and you want to create one or organize one what does one do
0: if you want to start a club lacrosse program um first start by looking at MCLA.us okay. and hit the conferences link, I think it is, and okay. reach out to that president, and they'll they'll basically give you the same steps. It's, okay, great. You know, our next annual meeting is such and such date. You need to come there with a firm calculation of having, first of all, player numbers, because 15 guys is not going to be a team you can sustain for four months. Do you have a plan, you know, a plan for raising money, or how's your how's your team supported? Most of the teams are supported by... Um, a small portion of actual money from their university, but a larger support from the university is just facilities, athletic trainers, which are two huge hurdles for any team. And and then, you know, having the player count, like I said, you have to have a non-playing coach, an adult non-playing coach who's <laughs> knowledgeable. You know, we don't, there's no self-coaching or player coach stuff.
1: The link for people sure. who are interested in starting a club team at their college is what again?
0: Men's Collegiate Lacrosse Association, so M as in men's.
1: And the same is true for women's. Do, do you know the site? For, for women,
0: wcla.org or it's dot
1: com. Please email me at fdopie at gmail.com and share your questions. I will repeat them on the show so people get the benefit of your question and my response. Invite me to speak and host the Fred Opie show at your school club team, or camp by emailing me at fbopie at gmail.com. Hosting the show is a great way for the older students who are interviewed to pass on positive peer pressure to younger students. And during the Q&A with the audience, I share a perspective I wish I had when I was younger. Now back to the show lacrosse got started in Africa with the work of Kevin Dugan, Fields of Growth, and then also the efforts of FCA lacrosse. And we're talking with Matt Holman, federal lacrosse in Africa, but more specifically in Uganda.
0: I wouldn't say Africa lacrosse in general because there's different groups doing different things in each country. This past, I think it was May of 2017, Deep Ginniger, who was an assistant coach with the Israel lacrosse group, he coaches in that Israel I think it's IPL Israel Premier League in the summer. That's where he came across meeting and coached a couple of the Uganda players that were over there on scholarship uh, two years ago. And they reached out, the local group there, which is the Uganda Lacrosse Association, reached out to him asking him to be the coach of the next men's team for the 2018 games coming up. But we've been doing it in kind of like third gear, and now we have to step it up to uh, fifth gear. Getting that full-on tax-exempt status was, was huge.
1: On the, on the ground, grassroots organizing in U- Uganda. What is their goal? What are the challenges to achieving that goal?
0: There's the Uganda Lacrosse Association. That was the one of the measures or, or I guess, structures that fields of growth helped the local group create themselves central organizations, similar to what we might think of as U.S. lacrosse in its stages. Their mandate really so far, has been a really good job of working with their government to be the recognized organization sponsoring lacrosse in the country by the Uganda it's the Uganda Council of Sports. So that's a real huge thing to be recognized because they don't recognize many sports there. I think they only have soccer, basketball, and now lacrosse is recognized. Just like U.S. lacrosse back in the 80s. Great ideas that just have to be channeled and funneled. So Pete Ginniger, our head coach, is heavily involved with Movement of creating a sustainable organization, and we're using the U.S. Lacrosse model because why not? You know, mm-hmm. you don't you don't want to create the, recreate the wheel. So we are trying to use aspects of it that fit with a third world country that with very limited resources. You don't go down the corner store and buy a ball, Fred. Those come over in our suitcases when we send coaches over there. Now you step forward to October of 2017 and we create the Uganda Lacrosse Foundation. Uganda Lacrosse Foundation now, our mandate is focused on international play for men's and women's lacrosse at the four main levels that the Federation of International Lacrosse sponsors. Men's Open, Women's Open, Women's U19, and Men's U19. That's all we can handle right now. We have a lot of great ideas on paper. As you know, I've asked you to come on as an honorary board member. Casey Powell's an honorary board member, Bill is an honorary board member, Katie Ferguson's an honorary board member. We have our first honorary board member from Uganda, born and raised there, John Magoba, who was in ex. He was on the first ever national basketball team for Uganda. So he's joined us. We're really slowly making inroads, building that structure, kind of setting it up for a long-term thing. So this is not a one-off project for, for Coach Ginniger and I. Pete is the ULF president.
1: What can people do to help? Uh, You mentioned the fact is in Uganda, it's kind of funny. It reminds me of growing up playing lacrosse in Westchester County early on where you could not buy a stick in my town. I don't even know if that's the case now. Can you buy a lacrosse ball or stick in my hometown? How much less you can't find one in a whole country or possibly a whole continent? How much can people do in terms of donating Equipment. Certainly, they can send money. Right. If they want to donate money through the nonprofit that we as a board have set up, where can I do that?
0: We're Uganda Lacrosse Foundation on Facebook,
1: mm-hmm.
0: ugandalacrosse.org, and that's where I really would just encourage people to go to. Got some great, simple information to understand. You can hit the donate button. My personal goal is to raise capital. We need to have some money in the bank. So, just make a donation right now, and if you want, make an annual donation because that even helps more because we are going to be doing this every year with teams going to the World Games. Second to that, equipment. There is a need in the in the use slightly you know usable equipment. If you've got five sticks in your garage, you probably could deal with only having three. You know, send us two. You have some cleats that are slightly worn. Send mm. us to. So we are developing a process to make it more efficient. I'll say to get donated equipment shipped to Maryland, where that's going to be our staging area. We're connected with some Ugandan-American residents that ship quarterly over in you know, big containers. They're excited with what we're doing. They've agreed to to allow us some space in those containers. It does cost money. It's about $200 per box that we send. we want to do is develop kind of a one-page flyer that just says, hey, you want to do a community project? Here's what you can do you know, have a donation drive for gear, put it in this size box, and also raise 200, $200 250 bucks per box so you can send it to Baltimore and send that donation in and say, here's helping with the shipping. You know, here's some financial help for the shipping. Because what we don't want is, yeah, we need gear. It's all piled up and we don't have the means financially to, to put it on the cargo ship because it does cost money.
1: I'm involved in a lot of different organization that collects and then distributes donations. Folks, only donate stuff that you would currently be using and or wearing. Give your best. Think about that stick that you actually play with, those cleats that you actually are wearing or your child is wearing, but has an extra pair. Only give your best. Here's a challenge for anybody that's hearing me and Matt talk about. How do you support lacrosse in the continent of Africa, specifically Uganda? Jim Brown, who is... And he's in the yep. Hall, National Hall of Fame for football and lacrosse. At Syracuse, he wore number 56. So here's my challenge. Let's have as many people as possible donate 56 bucks at a minimum to the Uganda lacrosse program. And you just send that information again. Matt, where's the website where they can find a donate button?
0: Ugandalacrosse.org.
1: Ugandalacrosse.org. 56 bucks or more from as many people as as possible share this it's a great challenge number 56 jim brown i know jim would would love this jim if you hear this or somebody in the jim brown network somebody that played with or against him nfl players who i know there's a number of people in nfl their kids who have gotten a lacrosse bug please consider donating 56 bucks or more to uganda lacrosse it is tax deductible so you can write it off on your next tax return all those things would help
0: The goal is twofold, right? It's, it's, yes, fun with men's team, but it's also, I've already started uh, the search and the funding for the women's U19 group that's going to be going to Canada next year. That women's U19 team, along with the Kenya U19, will be the first ever women's teams from Africa going to the World Games. We're looking at lacrosse joining the Olympics in the next eight to ten years, and Africa is the last piece to that puzzle.
1: Why do we need Uganda and other countries in Africa participating in in the next World Games. G- explain to people the Olympic connection.
0: Getting these teams to each World Games session. Next is girl women's nineteen U19 next summer. The one after that's the men's U19 2020, and then the women will be 2021 that was just announced in Baltimore. So having teams at each of those games and, and having Kenya jump on board and, and any other African country jump on board it's just gonna solidify that image that the Olympics is
1: looking for. If you want lacrosse, if you want to watch it in the Olympics, it has to have its presence in every continent and Africa yeah. is the is the yeah. the last missing piece. So this is really important. The effort we're talking about is both male and female participation on the continent yeah. of Africa. Uh, there's some interesting things that people know that they're when they're talking about lacrosse at the Olympic level, there's discussion of possibly seven-on-seven seven lacrosse. So there are a lot of different things that people want to know. And if you wanted to hear this discussion in a little bit more depth, it's the interview I did with Frank Kelly on my podcast. You can find the podcast archive at fredobi.com. And I'll make sure that when this particular part of the interview goes on Facebook Live, I make that link available. So there are a number of things. Stan Cockerton, who's involved with lacrosse uh, in Canada. I've spoken to him as well to get him on the show to unpack some of this. So everybody around the world wants to see this goal, and I think it's a great one. So, Matt, thank you so much for coming on the show talking yeah. about this in the earlier parts there was a part one where Matt talked about his experience as a player at Syracuse University and um, then there's a, a part two where we talk about Matt's role in club lacrosse so these are smaller segments of the Facebook live that I broke up into three segments
0: just to give you an idea of people that are interested John Christmas Mike Allen Princeton grad currently at UC Santa Barbara volunteering assistant Ivan Cohen out of Westfield, New Jersey, has been uh, working with their high school for years with goalies. Our defensive assistant is Francis Donald at Nazareth College. He works here in Southern California at the Bishop School. Uh, Mike and Ann Kruka, large donors. Brian Keller from Fit Foods has just sent over two cases of water bottles, four 10 gallon water coolers, some uh, drink mix. You know, groups like that are, are coming on board. Please look us up ugandolacross.org. We're in the final run right now. We've got uh, about a $50,000 deficit that we need in the next uh, five weeks. Every donation helps. We appreciate the support. Fred, thank you for having me on the show. Thank you.
1: That is Matt Holman, the brains and the organizational effort behind Uganda lacrosse. Hey, listeners, we want to make you aware of the Jim Brown 56 lacrosse challenge. Donate $56 or more to the Uganda Lacrosse Foundation at ugandalacrosse.org. 56 was Brown's Syracuse Lacrosse jersey number. Purchase a copy of my lacrosse memoir slash career advice book, Start With Your Gift. Post a picture of you holding your copy of the book on Instagram and tag me, and I will donate 10% of the proceeds of your purchase to the Uganda Lacrosse Foundation. It will advance the initiative of getting lacrosse into the Olympics. For that to happen, lacrosse has to exist on all the continents on the globe. And Africa is the last frontier. Your tax-free donation will go a long ways in helping spread lacrosse from not just being the fastest game in the United States, but the fastest growing game across the world. An interview with Frank Kelly, a Cornell University lacrosse alum and the visionary for FCA lacrosse in the initiative to make lacrosse an Olympic sport.
2: What's really exciting is what's happening around the world. So FCA has only been focused internationally for about 10, 15 years. And what's going on in Africa, there's a really close connection between what's going on in Uganda and FCA lacrosse. What's going on in Uganda is leading to really incredible opportunities in Kenya and Rwanda. My hope, like many in the FIL, is to see lacrosse become an Olympic sport in some form by 2024. What's
1: necessary for that to happen at the Olympic level?
2: Well, there's a lot that's been done. I I give so much credit to Tom Hayes and Ron Balls and others who've been involved for 40-plus years, going back to the mid-70s when there were only four countries playing. Now there's 55, around 55, sanctioned, officially sanctioned FIL countries playing. So we have enough countries. Uh, the FIL just hired a full-time executive director, Jim Schur, who is a former Olympic wrestler himself. He worked uh, for the U.S. Olympic Committee and actually served as the president and CEO of the U.S. Olympic Committee. So he's connected, mm-hmm. not a lacrosse guy, but a big-time sports association and Olympic, international IOC-connected leader. So we're we're confident and helpful that with coach or with Jim and. And, and he's representing
1: staff, us as a sport.
2: As a sport. absolutely. he's full-time paid staff executive director for the Federation of International Lacrosse. And he's a wrestler.
1: I'm saying He's probably yeah. tough as nails. Tough as nails. You
2: have know, still got this incredible group of volunteers.
1: And, and so is it that others. we need, as a sport, a certain amount of countries playing it for us to get considered?
2: We have enough teams playing it. We need to get – and they, here's what they love, what I've been told. The IOC loves. It. We have men's teams and women's teams. Okay. okay. Um, you want to have the game being played on every continent, okay? So it's very important that Africa be developed. We have one country playing in Africa. So when you go before the IOC, there's like 28 other sports trying to become Olympic sports. From tiddlywinks to marbles to sports we've never heard of, right? It makes sense. cross should be there. There were representatives of the IOC at the Denver World Games. Okay. It's close. To so check us out. Yes. So we've checked about, I think, seven of the ten boxes. The, the remaining three were very, very close. So... It's within reality. It's, it's not a pipe dream. Just think of all the volunteers over the last 40, 50 years who've laid the groundwork, but now there's a lot more volunteers. There's been some generous donors, and there's really truly is an opportunity. I think it's really important that we get behind the World Games in Israel. We get behind the women's games. We get behind the indoor games. You know what? We're going to begin needing to give money and financial mm-hmm. resource to the FIL if we love the game, just like many of us have given money to U.S. lacrosse. We need to give money to the FIL, and then maybe we give money to our original countries of origin. My family's from Ireland and Italy, you know, so I want to give to the Irish team or the Italian team. I have a heart for Kenya, Uganda, Rwanda. I want to give to the African teams.
1: We know that the Israeli national team, the Irish national team, have U.S. nationals of extraction or heritage from those schools. I was talking with Larry Mackey. African-American, grew up in Huntington, in that area, and he's also been to Uganda. And I said to him, which I had never thought about that we had this conversation, why not have African-Americans, who most of us come from Western Central Africa, talk about the African slave trade, you know? My day job is as a historian. And that's one thing we know. We come from Western Central Africa. So why not consider as a way of increasing the, the participation of teams on the continent of Africa, of African of Americans, do the same things that our are, that are friends within the Israeli community, Jewish community, within the that's Irish really community a good point. have done no, that. Well, really, you know, yep, there's a natural way that we should say, we hey, we should be playing on these teams out of yeah. Ghana, Nigeria, places where we know we came from as a people.
2: Yeah, well, that's, that's an exciting idea, but like anything, it begins with development and you're getting over there and getting sticks in the hands of kids and young boys and men and women, girls, Um, so someone's got to do it. I mean, Kevin Dugan with Fields of Growth kind of started everything in Uganda and he's done a lot in Jamaica. You know, he really had a vision for college volunteers just going over to serve. He really wants to help orphans in schools and was just using lacrosse as a vehicle to get kids to come and then lacrosse took on a life of its own. But I think there's tremendous opportunity For us, And and I can tell you, I know a lot of people are like, ah, it's a bunch of Americans on these teams. You know, if you were at the Denver games, there are more and more indigenous people from their uh, countries of origin playing. And truly, most live in the country where they're representing. Um, You know, there are some countries that have a a combination. But I think it would be really interesting on the African side. I'm talking almost weekly, probably multiple times a Hmm. week with leaders in in Uganda, they're calling me, texting me, Facebooking me. And Rwanda and Kenya and South Africa, a lot of what they, they literally almost associate with lacrosse with, in some parts with FCA. It's like FCA and lacrosse are almost one and the same. So I feel that FCA and FCA lacrosse need to do more to serve the growth of the game in Africa. So we're looking for people that are willing to serve. We're looking for people to come on staff full-time with FCA who have a heart for international ministry and you know local, regional, national ministry. So people can get involved as staff, people can get involved as volunteers, people can get involved as coaches. I'm excited. The U.S. or the Uganda national team just named their new head coach for the 2018 games, Peter Ginniger, coached for 40 years. I know he coached at Cornell, my alma mater, for a few years. He's, he's currently a college coach in California. For a lot of us, Fred, we're busy. You know, we're coaching loot Youth or Rec or middle school or high school or sometimes even college. We're very focused on what we do and there's just so much going on all around the world. So if we can each give a little time, talent, treasure, locally, regionally, nationally, and internationally, you know, spread the wealth, if you will, we're gonna continue to see the game we love grow. And here's what happens. There's power in the rings, the Olympic rings. So you need to, there's certain, one of the boxes that need be to be checked, I don't know the exact wording for it, but we'd give all of the countries the authorization to have the rings. Once you have the use of the rings, all of a sudden, even teams like in Uganda now have credibility with their government okay. and their government would begin to put money into a sport that's connected to the Olympic rings. You know, we take for granted in the United States that, hey, we participate in like every single sport and we're really kind of great at every sport. A lot of countries may come and only participate in three sports. Hmm. Well now they might participate in four sports or five hmm. sports. So. And so the guys in Uganda who are on the ground working their butts off, they're, like, passionate. Uh, and keep in mind, they've only been playing since 2010 at all. They're, they're meeting with the government officials. And so once we get the rings, that's going to help every country. Once the rings help every country, that's going to help the U.S. game go, grow, too. If lacrosse becomes an Olympic sport, we think lacrosse has grown to date. It's going to grow even faster
1: and, and even more exponential. You know, it reminds me, as you were talking about how basketball has spread throughout the continent of Africa, right. mm-hmm. and it is not uncommon to see uh, people from the continent of Africa playing on some of the top Division One basketball programs around the country. We've yep. seen this with lacrosse and Canadians. we see seen right. this with lacrosse and Australians. Absolutely. But maybe soon we will see some of these nationals from Israel and other parts of the world playing on U.S. <laughs> oh, teams. Well, Fred... As-
2: As you know, we were just a part of a very special program, 500 campers, 100 coaches at a camp last night. It's really powerful. It's a big celebration. While I was there, every now and then I was checking my phone a little bit, and I literally got a text, a Facebook message from one of the players in Uganda saying, "Coach Mr. Frank, please, 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 I'll do anything to come and play on a U.S. team. And it's one of the
1: best players over in Uganda. I think the day's coming. That's a wrap for this show. Thanks for listening hear more content like it, go to FredOpie.com. If you have questions about advertising and sponsoring this show, contact us at F-D-O-P-I-E at gmail.com. That's F-D-O-P-I-E at gmail.com. Write me to speak, teach, coach, and consult at F-D-O-P-I-E at gmail.com. That's F-D-O-P-I-E at gmail.com.